0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe.
0: You know, this started as a passion, as a purely personal thing, which was just for me, and then it kind of turns into something which is bigger, and you have everyone saying, can you just make everything mm-hmm. uh, into Japanese basketball art? And my answer was to all that stuff, I was like, I don't know, like, this is a, it's a thing for me, it's but delicate.
1: No, It's delicate.
0: It's delicate, it's for, it's, it's, you know, it's really for the people.
1: Welcome to 94 and More, presented by Bristol Studio. While a basketball court might be 94 feet, we believe it's limiting to solely look at this beautiful game as a sport. In our minds, it's closer to an art form, even a tool through which we can study the world and learn about ourselves. I'm your host, Jake Fenster, and on this podcast, we will explore the game of basketball not only as a sport, but as a dynamic force that influences culture, builds bridges, and has the ability to shape our national conversation. Hope you enjoy. As always, feel free to reach out to us at 94 at bristol studio.com and follow us on Instagram at Bristol Studio and at 94 and more podcast. All right, let's get into the show. Today, our guest is Andrew Archer. Andrew, thanks for joining the show.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Long time fan. Man. Yeah, I appreciate being
1: here. Yeah, excited to have you on. I know we've been kind of going back and forth for a little while and over Instagram. Um, so it's, it's amazing that we finally could find the time to do this. Can you share a little bit about you and and your work for the listeners who maybe aren't familiar?
0: Yeah, um, I'm originally from New Zealand. I was born there. I live in Australia, in Melbourne. I guess, first and foremost, I'm an artist, like just a general creative, but I I work predominantly in the realm of commercial arts, so projects based around sports, lifestyle, music, uh, and a hell of a lot of basketball. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Was that something that you were always passionate about and interested in doing, or, or how did you find yourself in the position to be creating in those different fields?
0: Um, to be honest, like I I, mean, I left school real, I didn't quite finish school and I always knew I wanted to be creative and I uh, kind of took a path where like I, I knew I needed, to be creative, I needed to kind of fund it in a way, I ended up doing work, which was more, um, I don't know, it, was, it wasn't as like satisfying and fulfilling at the time. I did that for about six or eight years.
1: What, you know, was that, what was that work that you were doing?
0: So I was still in the same area. I was still doing illustration and, and, and making art. Um, similar projects, but just probably not the clients I wanted to be working with, you know, like things I had to kind of get, get away <laughs> with. Pay bills at the time. So it was kind of like a pipe dream to really work in uh, a lot of the areas I do now. And the only real reason why I kind of got there was um, I started a project like, well, not even a project. I made two artworks in about 2013. When I was living in uh, in Bangkok, actually, which were two two of the original Edo basketball pieces that I made. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't even that then. It wasn't anything. It just was like I was just like looking. I'd, I'd just gone for a trip to Tokyo as I traveled, you know, a lot back and mm-hmm. forth, and I was inspired by some work I saw, and I came back and I was like, "Yo, I'm gonna put it into into an idea." And normally I just do, you know. Nothing really to do with sports, because I just felt like, I don't know if people cared. Like, I honestly didn't think that people cared that much about basketball, and they kind of would be, you know, I, I felt like it was rehashed the same way, and I kind of put it together. I figured nothing over. I left it. I sat on it for, like, seven years, six, seven years, and then came came back and revisited in uh, 2018 or so. And I just looked at it open. I remember opening the the works I'd made, and I was thinking, I was like, damn, like, this is me. Like, this is me. Everything about me, you know, it was my passion for like travel, you know, certain cultures, history, storytelling, and, and the aesthetic of the art really matched, you know, what I was interested in. And from there, things, you know, really gave me a good opportunity to be able to pursue purely only making art for sports really, and a few other selected things,
1: yeah.
2: So I know, you know, I've kind of seen your Instagram page and the art is dope. I love the the different pieces. Uh, but take us back into your earlier days. You know, you said coming from New Zealand, um, and you kind of have an emphasis on basketball. I know basketball in New Zealand, Australia has always had its tradition and culture, but it's kind of exploded. I would say in the last decade to two decades, um, and, and really grown. So, where did you kind of get your inspiration? And were you a basketballer? You know, when you are younger, kind of what? Where did your inspiration from all this art come from?
0: Yeah, no, yeah, I mean basketball has, as you said, it's like it has popped off in a massive way. In Australia and New Zealand, um, for multiple reasons, I think, Bandy. It's you know, both these countries have been predominantly rugby, a uh, real
2: physical. AFL.
0: Yeah, AFL yeah. was yeah. Um, but growing up in New Zealand was was exactly that. Like everybody played rugby, you know. Like I'm a skinny ass dude. Like the, the guys there are grown men, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> think about like Pacific Island, like Tonga and South Yeah. Rio, or, yeah. Oldie and they are like they're talking big. They're Almost excited. engineered to play rugby. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, they're 18 years old, oh, they're ready to go. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, when I when I when I grew up and you know of course like it's kind of like a cultural thing to follow that. Like everyone's like, yo, have a jam, play some rugby. Like I played. And you know man, I just got slammed. Like every, <laughs> every, every Sunday I go play like I was I was quick and nimble, but they were as quick and on top of my size and I just <laughs> I just <laughs> You know how it is when you play something yeah. big ass quick. You're like, damn, where's my, you know, where's my way to do yeah. something? So I just figured, like, it wasn't for me. And, you know, I used to skate at the time. Like, I, I love the culture around that. And I love the, you know, the art culture around it, of, like, the graphics and all that stuff at the time. So I used to hang out at at this, this park that had a skate ramp. And I used to skate at the time. And the only way that I got into to playing Playing basketball was, yeah, purely one day a friend, like, as he did, busted his ankle, you know, on the concrete, and someone was like, yo, yeah, we're playing three on three, and they're like, yo, he's going to play, like, of course, <laughs> I, <laughs> I got sucked in. But, and man, like, honestly, it's, I had no idea how to play, but there's just something about the energy of the day of, that day I played, I was just like, damn, I knew I was going to play this forever, I was like, it's just amazing, like, the, the, the energy it carried, it's just, it's crazy. And I actually made an artwork uh, called The Fan, which is about that exact court, the exact court right, where I first mm-hmm. played. I ended up playing there for all of my, my childhood through from maybe, a, since I was about, what well, a childhood, I mean, it's pretty late. It's like 17 until about 23 at one court. And then we played like, you know, as we played from like midday mm-hmm. 10 p.m. until <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> lights came on. <laughs> right there's no you know and all the same usual dumb stuff like no stretching you know just yeah (laughs) yeah just being young and like and having fun and like um I think the biggest thing I really I took away from it as well is is uh it New Zealand's always been and I mean Vic would know this as well from Australia like and much like the U.S. like it's a very multicultural place where there's a lot of you know, there's people from all areas who have, like, immigrated from all backgrounds yeah. and stuff. And New Zealand is, like, even one one level higher, I reckon, than Australia. That's just a place of um, people from everywhere with different journeys, and everyone really wants to, you know, come together and make make it one. And that's really what New Zealand is to me, and you know, I think most people of my age. is It's beautiful people from all cultures and places just coming together and actually shaping a pretty young country in itself into what it is. And... Every time we went to the court, you know, we got we got people from everywhere there, like everywhere. They got like Thai dudes, you got like, you know, Fijian Indian dudes, mm-hmm. Samoans, Maori people, like everyone, like everyone you could find. Yeah. I, just, I, just, I just thought it was a beautiful thing. Honestly, I just remember like, you know, there's not many places, days you can go and, and play basketball with like eight people from different places with different stories and religions. And then also after that, you know, you can all...
2: You yeah, know, you
1: like a form a connection. At yeah.
0: You have dinner at a friend's Malaysian restaurant. And, like, it's, yeah. just, it's just awesome. I yeah. I, just,
1: I think what you're speaking to is is really the, the essence of the game. And it's so beautiful because I think we all have, all three of us, have our own relationship to basketball. Obviously, Vic playing professionally, you know, mm-hmm. I played through high school. And then you have your own relationship where you kind of just got thrown into the fire when someone <laughs> went down and you stepped up. And I think it's, a, it's very rare that you have that with most sports, I think, you know, I think basketball is, is a unique breed. I mean, I guess you could maybe say the same about soccer where you might, you could, that could happen to you as well, but it does feel like there's something very special about that game where you know, it's a universal language. You can walk on the court with people who everyone speaks a different language, but still find commonality and, and, you know, work together towards a common goal um, for you. How much of that then did you take forward to use as inspiration in the art that you've been uh, producing—that's really heavily centered around basketball.
0: Yeah. Um, to be honest, I took everything. Like I took all of it. And I took it not only for art in my career, but just mm-hmm. art and life that I took. You know, I. have always been massively curious as to how other people lived and, and learning how you know people go about their days and what you know what they're thinking and how they see their futures. And I think it, it shaped who I how I lived my years after that, firstly, where I lived. But in, in regards to art, like it, it opened my eyes really early to uh, art as a global thing. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I looked um, far and wide, like like a lot of creatives do, you know. Obviously, uh, Asia is a massive inspira- inspiration, all of Asia in itself. And that's, at the time when I was in, in, in Thailand, like, you know, I loved the art there. I, out of India, of course, Japan as well. And then, you know, you've got stuff from like, uh, just just everywhere. I mean, I remember there was one time I was like studying like old, uh, like Russian, Soviet, not even posters, but it was before that. It was like some weird stuff, but I was just like, yeah. <laughs> some crazy stuff, but it's it's just, it's so unique that you can, it's like an endless pot of finding uh, ideas, and inspiration. And it, it really, I guess it does lend itself to the way i work like i don't really have one fixed style like just jump around and like
1: yeah i was gonna ask how would you describe your style (laughs) but i feel like that's a hard thing to really like nail down
0: yeah i mean i think it like i was saying that earlier part of my career i had quite a more uh streamlined style i mean you know how it is like commercially people want to know what they're getting and that that, that's in regards to everything, I mean, even Vic playing ball, you know, they want to know mm-hmm. who he is, how he plays, what he does, like what he's good at, what he's not. So, everyone on a commercial level always expects you to be consistent and, you know, kind of expect, you know, know what, what to expect. But I think for then it was, it was actually in my subconscious a lot of the stuff I've taken from Japan in, in terms of aesthetic from like Edo period art um, around that era, which is you know basically all that shaped my work but in in a more contemporary sense and it was only around 2018 when I, I, i started making those older works which were based on um that era but it was more true to the style of that that time period um that it kind of got a bit more textural and uh yeah i guess closer to that time period but overall it's pretty surreal you know it's i i stick with all the things I'm good at, and avoid all the stuff that I'm bad at. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't render stuff, like I just, I focus on the ideas about, you know, compositions that are interesting and, and, and let people who view it, like kind of build their own story and their own narrative within it. Like, I really enjoy that, that people look at it and they're like, this is how I saw it. And someone sees it differently, but yet, you know, they all experience their own sort of journey by viewing it, so.
2: Andrew, I ask, I know, you know, in looking at some of your pieces, some of the, you know, the jerseys and the shorts definitely are our basketball thing, but kind of remind me of like, you know, kind of street wearing, like street art. And I know yeah. Melbourne is, is a really big hub of culture and, and kind of like that young adult. It seems like in Australia, like it would be Melbourne and Sydney that would kind of try out street fashion and really be out there and trying to get into new uh, design and fashion. Have you found it at all hard to, to spread your brand in Australia and try to reach you know, like different areas like Western Australia, Adelaide uh, and different stuff. Or is, is Melbourne like the central hub for where you kind of see most of your work?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like super question. I always find it fascinating, like how markets work in general, globally, like this mm-hmm. sort of <laughs> one, so, you know, you think you know it all and like, you don't realize you, don't, you know nothing. Right. Um, I think Melbourne more so, you know, like even Melbourne is a very AFL, as you know, like an AFL centric place. So. Uh, even though basketball's really grown, like, it's it's still predominantly an AFL place. So, I've never really gained massive traction here, except for within my own sort of bubble with, you know, everyone I play, like, social pickup with. Uh, right. Massive community, obviously, they're all down with it. Uh, but because I've always kind of worked globally, like, I've always kind of worked with international clients, like, it tends to be that everyone who kind of sees it is from that as well. Mm-hmm. Like, the u.s people a lot of people from japan um
1: mm-hmm.
0: just you know it's just the internet right it's just mm-hmm. it's that's
1: an, what is that like for you because you're taking a lot of inspiration from japanese culture for it to be received yeah. you know well by them how, how much does that mean to yeah.
0: you oh it's massive i mean it's it's always a, a question to me because um you know when i first started making it it was you know people are close to me years of a pure passion but obviously people Mm-hmm. You also kind of question if you're being real about it or just utilizing you know parts of it for for whatever. But you know I got a lot of good friends. There and before I even did anything, you know I looped around a dozen times saying, you know, what do you think about this? Like, how would you feel mm-hmm. about? it? Does this re- you know represent you know parts of your experience with basketball and, and your life and stuff? And yeah, it's a big it's a big part of it. And I'm really glad that you know it's something which has just been incredibly well received and. You know, I still daily, you know, speak to people uh, from Japan, you know, having the work there at the, the NBA games in Tokyo and just talking to people there about it.
2: Yeah. Wait a minute, Jake. I can't believe we haven't asked Andrew this yet. Uh, hmm. what, who's your team in the NBL? The Breakers. Oh has uh, man. You, you know how it is. <laughs> I thought you were going to say United. I thought you were going to say United.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, Melbourne's got so many teams, right? But no, I've, I like... I grew up when I was young, watching the breakers, like, you know, the, the, the original when they had the, the kind of dream teams in the day. So um, all those with,
2: with Dre as the coach? Yeah. Le Mans yeah. Okay. And
0: then uh, they had a uh, Hanari, which was years ago. He played for the New Zealand New Zealand team as well. And, mm-hmm. But I really like the team now. Like, you know, Corey and all that. I'm like, those yep. guys, like, you, we, you know, they around the place in New Zealand all the time so a lot of the parks and places like they're really part of the community and it's a special thing for a lot of kids and like not just me but a lot of kids now you know. well
2: it sounds like you can come on over and be a Perth fan because you know they let go they let Corey <laughs> Webster go yeah
1: that's true <laughs> perfect timing you're looking right. for a new team Vic's trying to grow his fan base out there it's a perfect uh, marriage
0: there you go like <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a free agent, yeah, I'm I'm
2: like a- Oh, he's a free agent,
1: too. <laughs> <laughs> That's the right answer. That's the right answer. Um, but I wanted to ask a little bit more about something you mentioned. I know you, you said, correct me if I'm wrong, um, you've done, you know, some of that more commercial work. Yeah. And this, is, this sounds like more of a, a passion project for you. Some two things, you know, Japanese culture, which you really appreciate and admire, and also basketball culture, um, kind of the marriage of the two. What, how do you manage that doing commercial work versus passion work and, and like, you know, not losing yourself along the way?
0: That's the best thing. And I'm sure probably all three of us have, at some point,
1: you
0: know, <laughs> that line of being like, you know, this started as a passion, as a purely personal thing, which was just for me. And then it kind of turns into something which is bigger. And you have everyone saying, can you just make everything mm-hmm. uh, into Japanese passport art? and my answer was to all that stuff. I was like, I don't know. Like, this is a, it's a thing for me. It's, but not delicate.
1: Like, it's yeah, delicate.
0: It's delicate. It's for, it's, it's, you know, it's really for the people. Uh, and the, the way that it's kind of built is, is based around that. Like, it's the mix of, of Western and Eastern culture, the way the stories intertwine about uh, both history and also, you know, modern-day culture of basketball. And uh, all that stuff kind of just lends for a, as I said before like uh, an album which which creates a story or a moment for someone they can relate to and I never actually saw it as being anything commercial ever. I never offered any of it. I never did any projects. To be honest I thought no one even cared about it. I just made it for <laughs> myself. It really is what it was. So now I'm very yeah sensitive about it but I just want to yeah. keep it. I just want to keep it for the game you know like mm-hmm. for the game and the people that enjoy it. You know I don't want on billboards for people to yeah
1: well because i'm sure i'm sure just from seeing your work you know and and like they kind of said earlier like we're fans of your work and we have in our office in la we have some of your work actually um hanging up so yeah we're, we're definitely fans but i imagine that you receive a lot of attention from let's say businesses that are stakeholders of the nba that have um You know, they're looking to push their business and tie themselves to the game, and they see an opportunity with your work. And I'm saying, from a business standpoint, how do you approach those opportunities? I know you said the artwork itself might be more for the people, but what about those business opportunities that something that we say internally a lot, you know, seem like a good idea, but they're not what you really wanna do? You know, how do you approach those?
0: Yeah, I mean, I just say, yo, let's do something new, let's do something cool. You know, I didn't make this work as a fluke. It's not a one-off thing. Like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm, a, I'm a pro at what I do, and I can make you something cool. We don't have to do the same avenue. Like, I think that whole idea of, you know, rehashing previous work is because it's been successful in another realm. Mm-hmm. It's just a... Yeah. In terms of a business sense, it's just a silly way to do it. You're just forcing it. You're just forcing it. And it's, it's like me trying to shoot threes. I want to post stuff. <laughs> I, want, I want to, like, shimmy. <laughs> and stuff I'm forcing it. If I was shooting through, the are forcing it. So it's the same thing, you know? You don't you don't want to try to take it and bend it and mold it. It loses all of its natural glow by doing it. So I always present brand new ideas. I say, like, look, this stuff was cool. We can s- take that same storytelling and passion about something else. that's makes mm-hmm. me new that people will really, like, admire and be like, this is cool. And, you know, most of the time it works. I do it all the time. Like,
2: every time I feel like
0: I'm about to end my career, but...
2: Yeah, in my career, I have have a question. When um, when creating your art and and kind of speaking on the business side, uh, do you work with? Do you have like a team that works with you, and you kind of collaborate with, or is it just you? No, man. I mean, I got uh, a long
0: time uh, assistant. She's amazing, Uh, Janelle. She's extremely talented. Like, and you know, she she came in learned one thing about basketball. Now, you know, I feel like. She's probably gonna know more about most games.
1: <laughs> <laughs> most
0: games, are lead past these days than me. So she's she's yeah really grown. And like I'm you know I'm really happy she's she's got where she, she is. And uh, in terms of more on the business side, like I got an agent over in Europe that I've had for like almost twenty years. So like mm-hmm. a long debut out that One who's actually more predominantly based in the in the arts realm, and then over in Asia, uh, IMG, the mm-hmm. big agency represents me there um so yeah I, I kind of a mix of everything and you know i do a lot of uh the business side of things by myself these days uh down here like i just kind of negotiate and do do those sorts of the things. fun stuff yeah the i mean fun just, it's funny you say that because you know it, as a creatives every single one normally hates that stuff but i love business i love it <laughs> like I, I love i love you know, talking about the rights and and working out Mm -hmm. creative ways that everyone can benefit and everyone can be, you know, happy. And and I really, I think it's an important part of being a creative is growing in that, in that area.
1: Yeah, no, I, I I, I think for the, yeah, I think that's a really important point um, because you see the whole thing through, right? So you're not, you're not detached. It's, it's a very personal thing, but you're also making sure that it receives the attention you know, on the business end that it deserves rather than, all right, you know, I care about this. Now let me hand it off to somebody else who might not really care about it. You know, you're seeing, you're seeing it from inception all the way through to the business deal, to the rights, to everything that goes into the specific project. Mm-hmm. Can you speak a little bit more to the actual creation of the product? So creation of whatever the, you know, let's say it's the, uh, a painting or, um, the Edo basketball, the Edo ball book that you did. Um, yeah. What's, do you go from the idea, the storytelling, you create the the narrative that you want to tell, and then where do you go from there?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's all about storytelling. It's all about the 20 plus uh, notebooks that I have around every house and every studio and probably in other people's houses of just ideas. Like I, you know, I've got probably 100 plus ideas of Edo ball ideas and ones that I sat on for two to three years, like, mm-hmm. It's all about getting uh, something that resonates and just and just invites imagination for the person viewing it. And it's not easy to do. Like, I definitely, you know, <laughs> it's funny. I've actually finished a few edible works and then relooked and i be like, damn, this isn't the vibe I was before. It's just so I'm quite picky with it. But the process is that the idea, you know, sketch stuff out, resketch it, redraw it again, even nicer, and then. Uh, lose my mind trying to struggle, yeah, and make a perfect color palette, which is daily <laughs> <the laughs> grind <time> for me. <laughs> so, um, How but long? of the book and recently making jerseys, uh, the book was easier, got a publisher mm-hmm. it pretty smooth, they let me design it as I wanted and stuff. But
1: making clothing, man, yeah,
0: uh,
2: well,
1: <laughs> I was gonna ask that because we deal with that a lot. <laughs> And I it know is. all. I know all the nightmares and headaches. <laughs> so I was going to ask what that was like for you to transition uh, yeah, into clothing. It, it, it,
0: the most eye-opening experience uh, of my career of just everything I knew of the control of being able to get to where I want to get in making mm-hmm. art, take mm-hmm. for granted because <laughs> getting from a production standpoint something to where you want to get it to, and mm-hmm. doing it in a nice in a nice way and trying to make a little money on the side and get everything together is the absolute biggest act and I give you (laughs) a hundred percent. Bow down credit because it's It's a constant challenge. It's a journey. journey. I remember getting the first sample and I looked at it and I was like, damn, what am I going to do? I literally just was like, I was like, I'm going to, I just freaked out. And my girlfriend studied fashion and she knew about pattern making and how to talk with the lingo and all that stuff. But it still didn't prepare me for how stressful it's gonna be but I got there a year and a half later <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's amazing at least you you know you survived it's um we yeah. constantly refer to it as like putting out fires every day you know it's it's a challenge uh, that's why not everyone does it and not everyone can do it because yes. it takes so much out of you um, but you know if you're able to fight through and, and rise to the occasion and and make that product when you finally get to that stage where it's where you want it to be oh uh, one of the best feelings. It is, for sure. yeah. the,
0: the journey, I mean, I look back now at the journey of doing it, and I still have the bad samples that I have. And sometimes yeah. I pick out, and I'm like, that was a special thing. Like, people always say, like, the journey is the best part, but in that case, like, it's something I'm really proud of just for undertaking the challenge and doing it. So, my yeah.
2: question would be um, I know you're, you're really big, and, and your artwork is great in the Asian culture. Have you uh, thought about dabbling into kind of Aboriginal art or Australian or New Zealand art and kind of trying to go in that row?
0: Yeah, interesting. I mean, I think it's, it's something I'm really passionate about because obviously growing up in New Zealand, uh, the indigenous people, the Māori people, is a very, you know, a lot of my best friends, you know, from their background and, and, the, and the conversations and the, the dialogue and the ever evolving mm-hmm. um, climate and politics of it is, is touchy. And here it is too, you know. Um, I've definitely. Spoken about doing it, but it's not being in that realm of basketball. It's more being like, you know, just hanging out with people who make art of that right. um, sort of area. I have like a couple of friends who are Aboriginal peeps, and they, one of them is an artist actually. And you know, I, it's something that I don't know enough about it to be like I want to be part of it. Like I, I feel like I have to fully, truly understand and and. Uh, I've spent my time in, in my core, you know, studying and knowing what they do, I really appreciate to be able to feel that I, I want to partake in it. But it's, you know, I guess that speaks on, on Australia and, and New Zealand both as a whole, that I feel like there could be a much better uh, effort to incorporate this, the people, the history, and uh, the, you know, just recognizing their cultures as a mm-hmm. whole, I think it's got it's a long way to go.
2: I know the NBL yeah. does a, a specific, you know, they do their um, yeah. heritage jerseys, right? Heritage. And Yeah, yeah. and I, I was wondering if New Zealand approached you to try and, you know, design their jerseys, would that be something you'd be interested in?
0: Yeah, absolutely. What I mean, I, I think, you know, I grew growing up there and, and understanding you know, the multicultural and the meaning of it and, you know, the land of New Zealand, Etero, the long white cloud and all the history behind it of how it, it came to be is definitely a an area that I'm super passionate about different looking So I mean it's I know they they made them when I saw them. The jerseys are quite nice. I know they've got like they've got some of like, the Kotori thing the Modi like patent yeah. on the side. And like I, I thought those characters jerseys are really nice though. I think it's yeah. a it's it doesn't seem like things like that are a big step, but they kinda are. So you know I thought glad. the NBA
2: did a great job. Like I thought yeah. we had a meeting in Brisbane when we had um ours, like they brought the artist in and she actually described the jerseys to us, right? She, like, she went through the entire patterns, yeah. what each symbol meant in, uh, in her culture and why she did it. And I know it I know it takes a, like, like it's a process, right? Like you can't just kind of redo their culture and their art on pieces. Like you have to go through a process to do it. But yeah. I thought it was, it was really nice, like the way she explained it and the story that she told on our jerseys. Like it was pretty powerful to me. Yeah, it's beautiful.
0: Honestly, that's, I guess in some ways that sums up like a large part of i have the passion of what i do it's just that that untapped like uh energy and 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 connection that you can have by things like that so that's what's awesome they came and told it, explained to you because they're special jerseys and i'm just i'm super glad they did it you know it's it's something that's always talked about things like that and like people yeah but to actually execute it and be like you know what we're going to stand up and we're going to bring like the indigenous people ride through all this stuff and, and make it a, a statement is is different things. So. And the same so that, with Patty Mills, You know, like, Penny Mills is the same thing at the Olympics. Being a, yeah. a flag yeah. carrier.
2: It's, it's a big deal. It was it was awesome that they made him captain and he was kind of like I mean, the, the face of the team. I
0: love it. I love it. Because he is, he has uh, flown under the radar on a, not, not, not only as a basketball player, but as a leader and a, and a person in the community and a spokesperson and a, and a bridge, you know. And, uh-huh. An icon, you know, he's everything of all that. So, you know, it was hard. He's one of the
2: Australian all time greats. Absolutely, hands down. And also,
0: you know, a, bit of, if a lot of great, you know, uh, Kathy Freeman, who was originally, you know, one of the, the medalists of, of, of Australia, was for Indigenous uh, background as well. And they just, you know, I think it's great that they come to the forefront. Yeah, a super, I'm not even Australian, but I was, you know, I had a tear when I saw Patty, like, just walking around. I thought it was great.
1: I wanted to ask to that point, what are some of your goals, you know, in any industry or just in your life, but we're kind of speaking towards, uh, we're trying kind to of speaking about, you know, maybe some potential big opportunities for you. Um, like Vic said, um, designing a jersey, you know, for a team or, or something like that. What does that look like for you? What are the things on your bucket list that you want to achieve?
0: Um, I mean, it changes day by day. Like I always like mixing it up, but I think I just working with people who really limiting down that, that uh, selection of people i work with to people who are generally on the same energy and the same uh, beliefs. You know, I, I, you'd be surprised where that goes. Like mm-hmm. it's some people you don't think uh, would even have the time. To, like I remember doing this job years ago, like four years ago for Jared Leto, Like, I, And then they approached me for it. But then to scope the guy over there, I was like, Oh, you know, I'll just have to make, something and all these people in the in the uh the record label just tell me how they want to look and then they're like yo let's do a meeting got on there literally first thing jared like straight on the call. he's like he's like yo what do you want to do for it like literally was like what do you want to do for it like how does that even yeah. happen something like it gives you the trust <laughs> knowing who you are being like you just do what you want to do and we ended up making four artworks he didn't change one thing i did he just along the way wanted to know how why i was thinking what i was doing soaking it in i think i'm the same like i just want to work with people with, you know give that mutual respect and trust mm. to, to move forward but in terms of specific things uh i've really enjoyed making like private commissions for nba players like writing custom stories and artworks for them is something i've yeah uh, enjoyed doing i've done a few of those for some players uh, and agents and, and stuff like that mm. um i always love working with, with the nba NBA and MBPA, like, I've done a lot of projects with them. I love, you know, they're always good people. You know, they let, let me do what I want and they really respect the, the craft. So anything around the game of basketball uh, would be amazing. I mean, there was actually one specific thing I wanted to do. I actually wanted, and I had it all, most of it lined up <laughs> before COVID, was to to head over to Japan and, and, and actually write and film and document the whole process of, uh, like, a hand-carved woodblock print um, being made but almost in a documentary sort of style uh, you know bringing in the player and the, and the craftsmanship of you know working at this artwork working at your game just building up that whole narrative mm-hmm. around, around the journey of it um, but that's for another day right
1: <laughs> yeah no I mean that's, a, that's the thing COVID definitely put a halt on a lot yeah. of people's plans and and altered yeah. things but you know I genuinely believe based on what you just said working with the right people and kind of putting that energy out there. I have a feeling that you'll be doing that a lot sooner than you anticipate. And yeah. it'll just work itself out.
2: Yeah. Well, Jake, yeah. let me ask, uh, let me ask Andrew. You? Andrew, how has um, COVID affected you in Melbourne right now? I know COVID in, in Melbourne and Sydney has been pretty bad. And, and I know you guys have been on lockdown. Has, that, has this given you more time to work? Or are you kind of going stir crazy? there's a million things to say but overall (laughs) sum it
0: up i mean i'm overworked i thought it would be fun i didn't think it would be as long as it was going to be so i really was like yo i'm gonna lock myself in here i'm gonna make some great art take on a lot of good projects and at first it was great uh (laughs) sounds like a like a horror movie right yeah (laughs) at first it was great but to be honest i've just ran myself into the ground just doing too much work and like i think the you know, I underestimated the, the change in balance of life of not being in my studio with people, you know, not not playing mm-hmm. uh, yeah. organized basketball, not at a high level, but playing with my friends and, and yeah. pick up leagues three times a week really affected me, you know? Like, it's that exercise, that social element, that happiness around that it, it's definitely took it out of me. So, I, you know, when we're allowed to, you know, just – because we're not even allowed to play basketball outdoors now. Outdoor right. Park, it's it's rough that's, so, tough. that's tough but you know i've got a little work done i guess <laughs> I, 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 I got a little i've, I've done some good work I've you gotta look
1: at the positives work. right yeah. yeah get off yeah. the negatives basketball <laughs> yeah. don't think about it
0: <laughs> i mean i've tried to be trying to do that but i think yeah even now i still have a big a big workload of a lot mm-hmm. of big projects that i'm working on um lots of yeah, I've been taking a lot of big things like three to six month, big projects, big collaborations and stuff, maybe, because I think it's just at the stage of being you know, mm-hmm. inside and, and that it's easier to focus on rather than the usual six projects at a time, which is overwhelming. And yeah,
1: it sounds overwhelming. It sounds like a lot to deal with. Um, yeah. Before we get, I know wrapping things up a little bit, and I know Vic's got a question for you. And before we get to that, where can people check out your work?
0: um so a lot of my i guess the work in the more commercial was on my personal sort of portfolio which is that and, com. so it's just my name first name last name.com and that's that's really a span of like everything that i'm doing it's the basketball it's the mm-hmm. myself stuff stuff, everything so um you can find that all there and then edoball.com is everything edoball all the stories all the artwork you know i'm not perfect really, Holding any of it back, like it's <laughs> it's pretty much what the book is. And as I make them, they're up there um, for the people just to read and enjoy. So,
1: yeah, everyone listening, definitely go check it out. Vic, you got it. Run away with it.
2: All right, now Andrew, you know we have the, the old tradition on ninety four or more. Give us your Mount Rushmore basketball.
1: Well, you, we actually you can like you asked we'll both, both, the and both. Right, the well, Australia, right, Australia
2: year, and NBA. Well, no, no we'll do Australia, and New Zealand. Combined, they're they're uh, Mount Rushmore basketball, and then you got to do the NBA Mount Rushmore.
0: Uh, so NBL, I mean, I'm probably gonna take like like Andrew Gaze is number one, right? All
2: right.
0: I'll probably put all the New Zealand crew in there, like Paul uh, Hanari, uh, Mika Vacona.
2: Okay, Mika. Okay, he was there in Brisbane right before I, I got yeah, there. Yeah,
0: I mean he's been around the ages, so you know I've I've seen him play on the New Zealand's team. Um, I forgot, I forgot his the guy's name. Bruce. He's a coach now. Bruce. What's his name? Blonde, Blonde, Powerful. Small forward. Powerful. Used to play for New Zealand. One sec.
2: See, you got the right now.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's a coach now. I forgot what his name? Is. Uh, he came he came and coached me when I was a kid. <laughs> Maybe it's like yeah.
1: we got to get a research Dylan, intern Dylan, on this pod.
0: Dylan Belcher. We do. I got a Dylan research Belcher.
2: intern.
1: He might be coaching. What?
0: Dylan, Dylan, Dylan Belcher. Dylan Yeah, he, he's not yeah. head
2: coach right now. He He's an assistant. Yeah, I think he
0: is somewhere. Um And then I'm gonna add Ty and Corey. Ty as a as a fit, just because you know they're both. Ty and
2: Corey Webster.
0: Yeah. Uh, sure. My God. I'm. I'm my God. I'm, <laughs> you
2: know, I'm going to
0: tell you what this list is. This is my. This is your own personal list. This is my New Zealand emotional list. it's okay. <laughs> an emotional list. Okay,
1: fair enough. Fair but fair NBA, enough.
0: NBA is going to be, I mean, NBA could be the same. I don't know. <laughs> now, go NBA, with your heart. Um, wait, we Go top to bottom. Or, uh, so you got
2: to you got to go. You have to put the numbers <clears> next to the names. We we don't beat around the bush on this podcast. All right.
0: Okay. I'm going to say number one. Uh,
1: Vic loves that. Vic loves that.
0: Yeah. Celebrating. Uh, you know what? It's very close because number two would be, uh, it's actually, a, it's a tough one of me to put two and three there, but I'm going to say Akeem, Akeem, the dream, a large one. Okay. Two. okay. Absolutely is. I mean, yeah, this is a bit of an emotional list for sure. No, go ahead. It's fine. Um, three, I would say. Three's tough. It is tough. Since I've got so many names in my head and I still I'm going to tie it to someone really important to my career and life. I'm going to say Kevin Garnett.
1: Okay. Wow. We got yeah. someone put Kevin Garnett. Where did Jay Lee put Kevin Garnett, uh, Vic? Did he put him he, third he or fourth? He put him pretty high.
2: No, he put him high though. It was like four or five. He put him high.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, yeah. That one That one. of value,
0: I mean, yeah, as I said, it's definitely emotional one. I, I don't like even his...
2: think I had KG in my top 30. I don't think <laughs> you did either. Oof, I
1: know. I, know. <laughs> I think he's <laughs> the one look that look got away. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: Um, and then I'll put a uh, Jerry West.
2: Okay, I'm okay. gonna we'll
0: go. Uh, and then at the five,
2: no LeBron.
0: Uh yeah, you know this is where it gets tricky. Yeah, I mean, okay. I probably put no.
2: You didn't I say really Kobe either, it, so
1: I know Jake's over
0: there. You know that I put that KG at three, so you know that I'm coming from a place of LeBron battles. You know, you know oh, yeah, that it's okay. yeah, hard. Yeah, he's, he's scarred.
1: Yeah, he's scarred.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, five, I'm going to say
1: uh, the big Oscar Robinson. Okay. Yeah. All so, right. well, it, that was an interesting five compared to the ones we've heard in the past.
2: Yeah. I mean... Not
1: not, not for better or for worse, just it was different. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. not going to tell you...
2: What's I won't tell you who said it, but the best five I've heard is Michael Jordan, number one, Michael Jordan on the Wizards, number two, and then rookie year, Michael Jordan, number three. <laughs> I won't tell you who said it, but
1: Definitely, the, the not definitely, not, definitely not the guy from Chicago. Definitely not Definitely not the guy from Chicago. I'll tell you that much. <laughs>
0: I, uh, you know, there's probably a lot of other better players, but I find that a lot of them in there are actually just people I found. I find inspirational as well as players. Are there
1: any NBA teams that you actively watch and support? Or are you just kind of a fan of the overall game?
0: No, nah, yeah, i got teams. i just not that proud of them at times. Like, what are I your thought, teams? What are your teams? I, you know, well, when I first started basketball back in the day, KG was the guy. Okay. It was so him and... It, it, and Duncan, who were doing it, so I was like, yo, I'm going to pick KG of the two. I just started to try and model my game after him. So naturally, I was like, yo, what team do you play for? What team is it? it like, so I was like, was. Oh. so I'm like. like <laughs> <laughs> at first, I was like, damn, this is a good life. You know, he's MVP. Things are going yeah. well. But now, man, every now you got
1: scared. Now you got Carl Anthony Towns and, and D'Angelo Russell.
2: No, come on, Jake. He's got and I like him.
1: He's got Anthony and, and, Edwards. Make all right, put, Anthony put Edwards. The, put
2: the future in there.
1: All right, yeah, all right, you're right. right. Sorry, I was thinking about – I wasn't giving them the credit for the future. I like, I like, my apologies.
0: I, hey, I don't mind um, Jaden McDaniels either. Like, mm-hmm. No, he's good, yeah. Their young
1: core
2: is good. They
1: got good young players. He's got a good Wings and, fan, good sticks. So and nice. Patrick Beverly right now, so they're, they're, they're a playoff team already. I'm spoiled. I'm used to the Lakers. That's my team. Uh, so, we just – what we do is whenever we're not winning, we sell everybody and then buy the most expensive free agents. Yeah. We just trade them all away. And got got just,
0: a, it's funny, I have got a frame and we – big fantasy at the time and he's the Lakers dude same thing he's but he's proud of it he's like yo this year we're going shopping again we're going shopping again
1: i, <laughs> I don't lo- you know i don't love it but obviously it works and we get rings so yeah. who am i to like complain about it but i will say i did like the young uh core we were building with Lon. i'm a big lonzo ball fan from ucla right. um i liked Julius. The run young run core really you're building, guys
2: shipped them out as the, soon I, as you got I, them. I know
1: no we had i know we had them and then it was like well we can go get and traded Davis. every
2: piece of the young Goodbye. core away I know, you're the oldest team in the league. Uh,
1: I know, but I I can't be mad about it because we won a ring with Anthony Davis, so like technically it worked. But Lord,
2: I hope you guys lose the Clippers. Yeah,
0: I mean that it's, won't it's, happen. Yeah, it's always a big, it's a big like controversial argument, right? Because I've always I've always been a fan of like the team that's yeah you know got the hope and has got a, like the Buck. I always followed like in the West and the East the team, and there was always the Bucks in the East as well. Like I watched them in the the mm-hmm. Michael Rand days, and you know that's yeah. where I was I mean, also, were you
2: happy they won the finals?
0: absolutely like i really was like uh i mean I, I love a lot of their players i love middleton and drew what they stand for like the mm-hmm. way they play mm-hmm. they really like likable yeah
1: we kind of grew up in that era too of you know teams like you build your team you had a superstar who stayed and they built that team over time and had a you know loyal fan base and you mm-hmm. kind of ride and die together um so i think that's it's interesting to adapt to the new style of basketball you know of roster building it's kind of like build yeah, the man. AAU team you know get your AAU team together and yeah. it works and it's what you have to do to compete you know you see the Nets the Lakers like but obviously the Bucks winning was a little bit different yeah you know it wasn't the same style but uh that that's why we're so emotionally attached to our players you know yeah, Vic's a big true. Chicago guy he grew up watching it what
0: about you, Vic? Who, who's your NBA team who's your NBA team and who's your I gotta maybe NBL players like who do you who's in the in the league now, or when you were here, who do you whose game did you really look at and be like, "Damn!" What did I like in the NBL?
2: I like, well, I like Bryce Cotton, Mitch yeah. Norton, Todd Blanchfield.
1: Are you just naming teammates on the team? <laughs> Are you just naming the <laughs> roster?
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, 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 but no. But seriously, though, um, when when I got to play at the NBL for the first time, you know, I, I really respected Sobe. Yeah, I thought Jason Kidd was was a, was a great, good basketball player and really. One of the better leaders I had ever played with. Mm. Um, I thought Abercrombie on the the breakers was, was good. You know, mm-hmm. obviously Cotton was a problem.
0: Yeah, I mean, he should he, just to jump back. He should have definitely been on my NBL team because Abercrombie was.
2: I mean, he he's was in there forever, right? Uh,
0: yeah, forever, and on the New Zealand team, a big part of it. So yeah, I'm glad you mentioned
2: that. Yeah. Um, Dre actually had some pretty cool stories about Abercrombie when he won the title on New Zealand. How Abercrombie was a development player but I worked his way into the the lineup and then started in in the grand final and played great. So I thought Abercrombie was good. Um, You know, I thought Gerald Martin, Casper Ware, like I I thought, I think the NBO in in all honesty, like I I think it's gotten a lot more visibility and respect over the years, but you know, I, when I came over, right. Like I thought um, every team has like their guys, right. Every team has guys that have realistic opportunities to go to the NBA or have the talent that they could have played in the NBA. Like, you know Isaac Humphries and Daniel Johnson on Adelaide. They had Giddy as well, who then got drafted. But you know every team has a couple guys that are like sure. legit players that you know yeah. any given night can explode for points or or just change the game. So I think the yeah. NBL is you know really doing well. But uh, in in America, think, I know.
0: Huh? What what do you think about the the style of game, the difference? Because you, you, I mean, you know, playing yeah, uh, that's yeah. The way it's playing in Australia and Europe compared to the US is, is that different. different.
2: Coming yeah. from America, right where the game was changing to, to smaller basketball, much more jump shots. Like you want to sp- pace and space, right? Like you want to get out first seven seconds. Get If you can get an early three or early attack to the basket, that's what you want to do. Um, and then, you know, you got your centers that you have these massive centers, but more times than not, they space the floor and they're not just sitting in the paint. Yeah. And in NBL, right, there's no defensive three seconds. Yes. You have a, a lot of true five men who don't really space the floor, but they're really good in the, in the paint. And teams do a great job scouting, right? Like, when I played for the Bullets, teams uh scouted me very well. Mid-post, they would double me. And then the spacing, right? Like, you have to really adjust the spacing since mm. you're playing with a traditional five, sometimes a traditional four. Mm. And teams can load up and help, right? Like, it to me, it felt like I was playing in the Big Ten again. Super physical, super good coaching. And the floor is kind of tight because you have to play against a loaded defense every night.
0: Yeah, it is loaded. It definitely is. I, I – I... Never noticed it was only when I over in time. I started playing the US Embassy over there, and you know, they were playing basically the NBA NBA style game. And I was like, damn, man, the space is
2: nice. It's nice. <laughs> yeah.
1: Play here. And, uh, <laughs> the problem, I mean, pain.
2: the NBA tries to emphasize offense so much. Like the floor is so open and officials give the offense way more leeway than they do defense. And I feel like the NBO, the official thing is up and down, but I feel like they give defense more so they than they do offensive players. Do you, Unless you you're on Perth, is- you know, and, I, you know, I got to hurt being on Perth, so. How do you think
0: it <laughs> – do you think it improved your game in a specific way by playing him? I do. I actually do. In-
2: so, so I think playing under uh, Coach Lamanis, I think he taught me a lot about using, like, angles and, and being able to get my shot off, right? Like, because in NBA, I felt like playing against – so, I feel like in NBO, you still have sides, right? but I feel like you have size much more to the right side of the lineup, right? And that's power forward, and ton of size there in the NBA. You kind of have size and length throughout the lineup that they, they want to be able, like now teams want to switch pretty much one through four, get up the court and pressure you. And so a lot, like a lot of my game is like, you know, mid range pull-ups, uh, ISO buckets, like I'm playing off, you know, screen and pops or, or, or pin downs coming up. And a big thing was like creating space for myself, like step backs fading away a little bit, shooting over guys. And in NBL, you know, Coach Lamonas was really big on just getting to the spot and raising up. Right, like you don't need to create that extra amount of space. Like you're you're taller yeah. than athletic than some guys, but in the same instance, you have to understand that the floor the floor is a little more clogged. So you're not yeah. just going to be a beat your one guy and then get to the basket. Like there's more than more times than not going to be a guy in the plug spot and be a guy at the rim. So you have to have these different moves ready and counters. And so I thought I was better for it. Like, I really do think I was better. Like, it was just unfortunate that I got hurt. Yeah. But I thought I learned a lot in the NBL. And it, it would, like, you know, it matured me, both as a person and a, as a basketball player. So Definitely
1: as, like, a, a, a viewer hearing that and watching you play in Summer League, I feel like I saw that confidence kind of come through. Like, I saw you make some moves in and around the paint, like, kind of knowing the second guy, whatever was going to be, further behind like you didn't really have to worry as much so you were more Mm -hmm. comfortable making your moves and so i guess you know it sounds like that's kind of where it came from was like you're so used to analyzing what the next you know i can get through one guy second guy's coming from here third guy's coming from there and in the nba that's not really how guys play
2: i mean you have a you might have like a super athletic shot blocker that's gonna try and come over but he's not like in there already you know he has to to kind (laughs) of do the two nine rule and it's funny, like in interviews, you've heard Luka Doncic say he feels like it's easier to score in the NBA than it is internationally, just because refs don't really call fouls. Like you don't, you know, you don't have the sweep through foul. You don't like all that, like stop and go, like kind of jump back into the guy, shoot it. And the floor is not as open, right? Like you have guys constantly cutting, moving. The centers posting up. Like you have guys constantly in the lane. And because of that, it's harder to drive and just beat your man. Like you have to beat more than one guy, internationally, sure. right? In NBA, I feel like you yeah. really have to like beat your defender, who more times than not is a good defender. And then once you get by him, like it's kind of on you and your your touch and your skill to to score over that big. That's going to rotate over. Yeah, it's
0: well, crazy. crazy. It's super fascinating. There was, mm-hmm. there was even though you know there's enough people on the paint already with the three seconds, no, no, three seconds. That, the amount of zoom they play is just packing the
2: paint if you can't. If you can't yeah.
1: you. Oh man, well, it's a, been an adjustment, I'm sure. Well, you might have, you might have to start stepping
2: back and shooting threes, huh?
1: Yeah, you might have to adjust your game.
2: Uh, I'd say, you know, if the clock's under two, I'm feeling. <laughs> if the clock is under two, <laughs> clock's
1: under two. I'm I'm shooting it. I'm shooting it.
0: <laughs> Otherwise, you know, I do I my, my things. So. <laughs> oh, well, Andrew.
1: Appreciate, it. appreciate you taking the time to do this and to share with us, you know, your story and everything. And uh, we're definitely looking forward to having you back on in the future. Yeah,
0: I like this,
2: and I appreciate the the invite and just overall appreciate what you guys are doing. You know? Linking Andrew, up. please uh, get my—I'll I'll follow you right now. Please, yeah, you guys um, have to meet up when, in, when in I get Australia. to Australia. You know, if I'm in Melbourne or you want to come to Perth or whatever, please let me know, and I'll give you tickets.
0: Man, I, you know, I'll be there 100%. I'll be the biggest fan. I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> I might start I might start calling telling people to get out of the paint. I might just say, get out. You guys, get yeah. out. All <laughs> don't I, I, I one time is get out of the paint one time.
2: Yeah.
0: So, no, really, I really appreciate that. We'll definitely make a, a good effort once, you know, things clean up with the sure. and Hopefully, um, you yeah, to get on to it. So you're going to be okay. in person? Yeah, Obviously, I will. That is awesome congratulations i leave
2: mid-september or mid to late september and i'll get there do my quarantine and hopefully yeah. get out and get
1: about
0: cool i'm um, yeah super happy that you're, you're healthy and you know the bounce back is there
1: absolutely thank, thank you Brian. all right appreciate it andrew we'll talk soon easy guys thanks guys Take Take care. Care. This podcast is presented by Bristol Studio, sound editing by Rashad Allen, music by James Grissom.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V
2: on YouTube.